Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the False Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. And uh, we are going to talk about pre-cons today, because uh, I think that you and I are the utmost experts when it comes to pre-constructed commander decks. Right up there. There's not a single person who's better at this. At buying pre-cons? At buying pre-cons. Um, uh, that might be a big statement, but I, I love precons. I mean, uh, it was the the reason I wanted to bring this up as a topic uh, was more or less because I think that they're a really good starting point for. I mean, obviously, the precon uh, commander decks are a really good spot for wizards to put cards into the yeah everything. Um, that they can't find good place for in, like, any normal set. But I think that, like, it does a really good job, obviously, of, like, reprints, for one, and two, just getting non-commander players or even non-magic players into not only the game, but into the the game's largest format. Uh, with that, I think it's, like, a really good spot to show people the world of casual magic. Yeah, um, and I I sort of agree with that statement. Mm-hmm. In that I agree with new players, players who are new to magic, if you're introducing them to Commander, then a precon is a great way to start because you're taking away that whole forced level of deck building. And I think in Commander, especially now, forcing a player to learn how to play magic and learn how to build a deck all at once, that's a lot to ask for, especially when you consider the average power level of a deck nowadays. Yeah. Uh, and we are definitely going to talk about that. I think it makes it very hard for players to break into the format or just into the game without having a deck essentially handed to them that can, you know, that can have a decent game where you can actually play and have fun. Yeah. And I think for me, too, like uh, when I started playing, you know, you've got almost 30,000 cards to work with. And obviously some of them are absolutely unplayable. But even just getting... You know, your mind wrapped around the the restrictions of archetypes, ha- like what cards or uh, like, you know, for lack of a better term, staples do you generally want or you know facsimiles of certain staples right uh, the idea behind the card rather than the actual card and i think that precons do a good job of displaying like oh like this is how much removal you want and this is how much land you want i mean you know they fluctuate somewhere between 36 and 40 land generally on most precons and i feel like if you were to ask a seasoned magic player or a seasoned commander player uh, a lot of them just be like, well, it depends, and, you know, you've got all these factors, and, like, if you're talking to a new player, to even to the game, uh, it it becomes overwhelming extremely fast. And, you know, you'll get a lot of, like, misleading information, and not even necessarily, like, intentionally misleading, but a lot of, like, oh, well, like, you know, you want to start at 40, and then you can take away lands for every three mana rocks you put in, or, like, every three mana sources, and it's yeah, just like, well... that's like, just way too deep. Right. And it just becomes overwhelming very fast, and the thing with precons that shine so brightly is the fact that they are built, um, and they are built with, you know, new mechanics in mind, and new all these things, and also displaying how to package it all together 
one of the things that I like too about the the pre-cons is that they generally do come with like a playing guide. Like, hey, this is what the deck's about. This is how it's structured, and it, this is going to be your play pattern for most of the game. Right. I love the idea of pre-cons, so that's kind of why I wanted to bring it into the the royal, as it were. Right. <laughs> I like the pre-cons. I mean. Obviously, I do. Up until just before the pandemic, I was essentially buying every pre-con that came out. For me, as an experienced commander player, it was, I wasn't buying them because I wanted the deck. I mean, you know, I would keep the deck together long enough to play two games with it and then immediately pull it apart because I wanted the parts. And right. at that, you know, early on, if you wanted those commander cards, the best way to get them was to buy the deck. And I was happy to buy the deck and play a couple of games. Um, and if it meant that I picked up a bunch of, a handful of cards that I didn't want or wasn't planning to use, well, that was fine too. It, it didn't, that part didn't bother me so much just because it was a preset right. set of cards. I wasn't at that point willing to, uh, a lot of times it would be just be easier, uh, and oftentimes even cheaper, especially early on with, uh, with some of the decks to just buy the, the deck as opposed to, right. You Cause know, you know what you're getting. <laughs> yeah. As opposed to buying a handful of the new cards that you wanted, you just buy the entire sure. deck. It was just easier that way. And like I said, it was oftentimes cheaper to do it that way, at least early on. See, I liked, I, I'm one of the few people that liked the early pre-cons. The problem with the early pre-cons was that they were, they, they just weren't good decks. The land, the mana base was generally bad. Um, but you know, I'm not going to complain because I also wanted the cards. So, you know, if you're going to short me four basics, well, that's that that would be just fine. Uh, <laughs> I can I can live with the fact that the two games I'm going to play with this deck mean that they're not. It's not going to play particularly well. The thing with the early decks was the decks weren't particularly good because they came with a handful of commanders, and it seemed like there was like a little package of cards in each of the decks that worked really well with that commander, mm. and then there was a different commander. It was in the same deck. It was sort of fit the theme of your actual commander, but not really. And then there were that per, that that card also had 10, 10 cards to it. So you'd play the deck, and oftentimes you were looking at the card, going like, "Well, this might make sense if I had the other guy as my commander, but is with for this guy, it's no good, or it, right. it's not as good as as it should." So this meant a lot of people looked at these decks and said, "These are lousy commander decks." I'm like, "Well, yeah." But, you know, they're, but they're, they're really good bones for a new player who now has three commanders that they, could all build, that they can build. Mm. Because you now have the core for each of those three commander decks. And then you go out and you buy singles and expand on each of those decks. And you can make each one of them far better than the one you, had, than the one you started with. But you get to use all of these cards and all of these ideas. It isn't just... Here is the deck. You should improve this deck. Well, you're not improving the deck. You're pulling it into, like I said, two or three separate decks, and then adding to that. Um, and I, I yeah. like the way that what that worked out. It's a great. I felt like it was a great way to introduce new players because you're giving them more options. You want them to build more decks, and you give them more variety as opposed to, it's like, oh look, everybody now has this one deck. Let's see who, you know, goes out and buys the singles to make that one deck better. Like, well, you know, yeah, that's great. But, and I appreciate the downside that, you know, for a new player who's only going to buy that one commander deck, that it's going to be a weak deck. But the point isn't to get them to buy that one deck. The point is to get them 
to buy that first deck, play it a couple times, get hooked on the game, and then realize, oh, I can pull these apart. You know, if you've yeah. got a if you've got a three color deck, you can now build three uh, two color decks in all the options because there was always because there was a commander that could work for all of them. Yeah, I think that's one of my favorite things about the precons themselves is obviously the the expandability. You you know you can take pieces out, put pieces in, make it your own, right? Uh, and really have it shine with your personality. But I think that it's just like a great starting point, even just for collection's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that uh, obviously you you mentioned the uh, the land base, and it's gotten a little better. There's a lot of like, oh, come into land, gain one life. Like, sure, okay. The, the or land- come and tapped, gain one life. Like, yeah. sure. Um, the, the land base has, has definitely gotten better. Um, but I, I attribute that primarily to the decks themselves have just gotten better. Yeah. I mean, the current, um, the current deck now, I really feel like it is, it is built around the commander. You can use an altered commander, but I don't think it's going to be as good as if you just use the commander they recommend. And the entire deck is streamlined around that one, that one commander. Um, I mean... There are pros and cons to that, but I, I did like the idea that you could you could split them up, um, and if it yeah. meant, and if it meant the power level was a little lower, I was okay with that too because I also think that the commander decks are getting a little too powerful. But we'll talk about yeah. that in a bit. I think, uh, and I think that they can generally be uh, grouped pretty well into a couple different eras of precons. I mean, we all all, all yeah we obviously have like the original couple sets of, of commanders which would come out every year you'd have four or five commanders come out in a year it's like 60 bucks a commander or 60 bucks a deck uh and that was it like or maybe less i don't remember oh it was um, way less oh okay i wasn't around then uh but you know you'd have you know the handful of decks that would come out um and those are the ones you're talking about and then you know they start to ramp up uh, and then sometimes they're set entwined um, mm-hmm. and then we got to War of the Spark and things kind of like wizards finally caught on to that commander is I mean they caught on way before this but uh, well, well that's when we finally they, started seeing it in the precons right we yeah. started seeing precons uh, kind of churned out on a quarterly basis i mean we would see them like that was kind of the point where i mean the next two sets were caldheim and zendikar rising and those two deck or those two sets both had two commander decks each uh at 20 bucks a piece uh and they were i mean obviously lower powered and very heavy heavily themed in those worlds which was like a really cool idea um and I, I love I love when they are when they make ancillary products that are uh, grouped in with the rest of what's going on in magic rather than just like oh yeah and then there's uh, you know Aminatu who is here now uh, and like it was kind of near when we were in Dominaria but not super like right and I will say when mm-hmm. we got to that point I really didn't like it. 
I didn't like the idea that it was so tied to the set. I felt like it was too restrictive. I, I didn't feel like you were getting the range of cards. Like, I, I still wanted to see. Uh, I still felt like, at that point, the commander, these commander precons were the primary source of a way to get the older, older mm. magic cards that you didn't already have. So when they started tying it so closely to the, the sets as they were released, I found it to be way, it was much harder, you know, like how am I supposed to be getting these older cards if you're tying it so closely to the newer stuff? And I completely get why they did it. It just makes sense. You want to sell the newer cards. You're not, you know, if you're wizards, you're not that worried about about the older stuff that are being sold as singles on the secondary market when you're not making any money doing that. But it was then at that point when they started following that up with um, uh, with Commander Legends, uh, it's like, oh, okay, now you have another another way to produce any of the older cards. In, in a quantity that's sizable enough that it can actually affect the cost of it yeah. on the market. And then then the idea of tying the focus of the commander decks to uh, whatever set that it's being released with uh, started to make yeah. more sense. Uh, and I was like, okay, I, I'm, I'm good with that because, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to have uh, two years go by and have them you know, not even have the opportunity to print a card because it just doesn't fit with the current theme of the world that they're right. printing their commander I think, deck with. Yeah, so. and I, I, I'm growing more and more fond of this integrated commander set type thing. Uh, and I think that maybe because, like, or like, I'm finally around to, like, understanding that I don't need to buy every precon or I don't even need to be buy a precon from each time they release precons. Um Right. But I think that they found a good balance of obviously reprint value, um, but uh, it's not so much like uh, like noob <laughs> territory for for precons because I think the precons for Kaldheim and Zendikar were really cool ideas, and I think that they had some really good synergies within them um, that uh, were made the decks almost very geared toward the new player base which is always good uh, because I mean this was just after War of the Spark came out um, this was like their first commander product after War of the Spark came out which right. was about the time of Avengers Endgame so like you know the those two like monumental things happening simultaneously kind of saw this huge rush of people into the, the game uh, so like it makes sense that they would make a, an easy product to sell at $20 and just kind of get it on the shelves and all this stuff. Um, but now they're starting to like ramp up value in obviously uh, reprints. They're ramping up just value in terms of honing in on design space. Uh, but I, I love that these have kind of... <laughs> taken over the spot for like the planeswalker decks for instance like I, I did like the planeswalker decks for what they were you know uh but i feel like there were too many cards that were too specific to those decks that just didn't do anything <laughs> unless like if you tried to put them in another deck they just it, it would be garbage um and so like 
having the commander product kind of take that place uh, found a very interesting balance that they had to toe in terms of like uh, making it interesting for obviously new players who have never heard of this game uh, but also players who have been playing and want something to catch their eye Um, yeah I mean for me with the way the commander decks with the way the commander decks went or the pre-cons initially you had this uh, low power level uh, Mm multi-commander deck so you can swap out your decks and do that and they did that for a while. And then they started to ramp up the power. But at that time, Wizards decided that uh, this is an eternal format. You can't just make the creatures more powerful to make people want to buy them because you're just making more powerful cards. Uh, you know, they printed Arcane Signet and then someone said, oh, wait a second, this is, we can't be doing this because... This is this is not repeatable. <laughs> like you can't make, like if that's what you're going to do, then the next arcane signet has to cost one mm. mana. You know where do you where do you go to make to convince people to buy the new card? You have to make it more powerful. So what they were doing for for us an extended period of time was building uh, building decks with a commander that was extremely niche was super focused in one tiny area so they could ramp up the power because it was in such a narrow and such a narrow area you really had to build you know like the entire deck has to absolutely revolve around this one card to really make it to really make the deck Mm. hum and you know so so they were upping the power level but in really narrow areas um and then and then we shifted, and it started getting very closely tied with the with each of the sets as they came out. And I feel like they've moved away from these super narrow commanders and shifted more into precons that are tied to the deck, but they're pushing, you know, they're willing to push the power level to get people to yeah. buy the decks. And I don't feel like the new commanders are particularly narrow. I mean... And then I say that, and of course, so or then you get the mutate ability. So of course, as soon as I say this, then there's a mutate deck, which you know, totally fights everything I'm saying up to this point. But it just the power level in the decks went up mm-hmm. because everything the power level was just going up. So it went up on these decks as well. Um, and then I feel like that's sort of where we're at. Now. Yeah. Um, and now we're starting to see. <clears throat> like I, I suspect that uh, Warhammer 40k is the first of many where we're going to see, you know, a uh, a set of decks focused around a particular universe that isn't going to be tied to any set. So um, I'm hoping in the future what they do is they use a lot of reprints with new art. Um, you could even just you know change the name. Mm-hmm. of the card um, because I don't want to see them ramp the power right. through the roof um, <clears throat> it's just you can't go yeah. back you, you don't get to go back you make that mistake it's there forever I mean 
arcane signets in, in any deck that has more than one color. For mana. sure. And even and even in decks that only produce one color, sometimes it's still there because it's a two mana yeah. rock. So, you know, you you can't you really can't make mistakes on the high yeah. power level when you've got an eternal format. So it gets a little tricky. But I think the best thing uh, they did. I think the yeah, best thing so. they did with Arcane Signet is realize that it was a mistake, so they decided to just reprint it into the ground. Because, I mean, you know, I think they really should have kind of stuck it in every precon at that point, but, I mean, they reprinted it enough in, you know, the Commander Legends uh, and Commander Legends 2 that I think it's it's right. finally down from a few dollars um, where it should be. But, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, like the past couple of years have been fairly high powered in terms of the commander decks um kind of starting with the c21 like strixhaven decks because i mean like i said we had the we had the called yeah. and we had the the zendikar decks and then they kind of got back into the big commander decks rather than just kind of like almost intro-y kind of things um where c21 was the the yearly commander product um and these decks did some crazy things granted they were also trying to shake up the the color pairing like identities with with strixhaven uh and these decks did some really really cool and powerful things but also like didn't super make it super cheap to do these things like it did big boisterous things for a fair price uh for the most part there were some decks Mm -hmm. that obviously were more powerful than the others um but i think that going forward from that point we have these you know a a bit more powerful uh decks you know through uh i mean your new capenna decks are pretty good pretty powerful your your uh what are the ones? Oh, uh, my favorites were the the Battle for Baldur's Gate decks um, because not only did they do big things at fair prices, um, they really leaned into the like the fun of it all, the 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 like the wild plays rather than just the yeah. like efficiency. Uh, and I think that that was like a really good spot where they where they had the decks. Um, and uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about where they might be going with these decks going forward. Uh, but um, I mean, like you said, the Warhammer decks could be either a good or a bad sign. <laughs> um, but uh, we'll we're, we got to throw it to break, and when we get back, we'll talk about those decks and what we see planned for the rest of the year. Uh, so uh, we'll be right back. This episode of Temple of False Pod is brought to you by a card that has shown up in as many Commander Precons as I think there are Precons. Temple of the False God. Go with your mana base, folks. Okay, we're back. Welcome. We're talking about pre-constructed Commander decks today. Uh, Because everybody needs a good place to start. And you know what? They, I, I always get them because they. I feel like they, 
they're obviously like we were talking about good places to start decks but i feel like they also give you kind of good inspiration for uh other decks you're either working on or in the future i feel like they're just like a good boost of of inspiration at least for me so right yeah i uh, think so i a lot of what i like from the precons as somebody who has a lot of decks and has been playing magic for a while I like looking at the at, at, at all the other legendary creatures mm. and thinking about how I can build the de- build the deck around that creature that's going to be different from the precon itself um, you know because I want a little variety or something or, or make a little change and do a little alteration I love that stuff I think that's uh, that's kind of what I what I look for out of the or one of the things I look for out of the precons um, the other one obviously are sta- is you know staples um, mm. And quite often the precon will hold, uh, you know, will give you a new card that's essentially just better than your staple. Uh, it just you know, it just makes an improvement on it in some little way, and uh, you know, and then that will get me wandering down that that road, figuring out what other cards are you know a little bit better than the staple that I've been using in decks for a while. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, and we kind of we we more or less took a history drive down history memory lane. It's good enough. Yeah. Um, and we kind of got to present day. Uh, you know, I was talking about the the C twenty one, the Strixhaven decks, uh, and then we had even most recently with uh, the New Capenna decks and the Neon Dynasty decks. They they all were fairly well powered but they seemed at least well balanced against each other and i think that uh the design team did a really good job of seeing them in the lens of one another um even if they were a little bit more powerful than say our meta uh they they held their own against each other which was good um and now we've got i mean things Things like the the any of the D and D commander decks I I love, and we're starting to finally see uh, universes beyond commander decks with the forty thousand decks, um, and uh, something I found while researching this episode uh, is that December we're getting starter commander decks. Uh, there's not much information out there as of now for what this means. But we've got five decks coming out uh, based around, I believe they're all two color. Yeah. Uh, so they're all based around two color pairings. Right. Um, we've got an Azorius around. Uh, what it seems also is that these are all completely reprints. Um, but that's just based on assumption. Right. Uh, because the commanders themselves are already cards. Yeah, if they um, were if they were going to have cards that weren't reprints, you would think that the commander that would lead them would be a, a brand new card as opposed to right a copy. So this very much feels like it's going to be one hundred percent reprint. So we've got Azorius around Asperia, Supreme Judge. It's six four for six. I'm not going to read the card. Uh, we've got Gisa and Grolf, uh, which is the Demir, black blue, uh, four four for four. Does some stuff with zombies. Uh, called Grave Danger. Oh yeah, the Asperia one's called First Flight, so it's probably going to be around flying creatures. What? We've got we've got uh, Carter Doomscourge, who uh, 
I most recently made a deck around yes. uh, in our season finale from last season. Uh, he's a 4-3 for four, 4 that goads things. The deck's called Chaos Incarnate, so it's probably going to be a bunch of goading things, probably a bunch of like uh, random pulls, maybe a, ta- a tally type effects where you're playing other people's cards, or who knows? We'll see. Some real chaos shenanigans. We've got Atarka World Render all the way back from, I don't know, World Wake, uh, <clears throat> who's the gruel for, it's a 6-4 for 7. Uh, it seems like it's going to be a dragon deck because it's called Draconic Destruction. Uh, and he really cares about dragons. Yeah. We've got uh, Amara Soul of the Accord, a 2 2 for 2, called Token Triumph, making tokens because uh, it's Selesnia from, from, uh, from one of the most recent times we went to Ravnica. Ravnica, thank you. <laughs> So, like, these decks, they, they seem fairly straightforward. And hopefully that, like, they won't be so busted that, like, they give new players the wrong idea of what this format should be. But I hope that they're not so garbage uh, that they just, like, they're a throwaway product, you know? Right. It, it's a very fine line for them to tell like i mean i i want i want good reprint value obviously i want people who have been playing commander to want to buy these if only for a few of the reprints or whatever but i also want new players to come in and understand like what the what is going on in the format beyond you know like oh like you know we've got uh Hull Breacher and stuff like that, where it's like these overly powerful cards that do not fun things. And I, I hope they're fun, but I hope they're not all just you know bulk bulk rares. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping for something that's. Uh, I don't want them to create a new series of uh, of commander decks that are you know that they're not creating a level where it's starter in both cost in in power level so they can justify uh, continuing to charge you know right between six you know 60 to 80 dollars for a commander deck that yeah you know that that the that commander players have been playing a while will want because um, yeah I, I just I don't want them to you know create an excuse that they're just you know they've got their tears and they're going forward that way I would love to see these in the the Kaldheim range of twenty to thirty dollars. Have some cool synergies. Do some cool things. Have some very specific cards that like you could find a niche for in some of your decks, uh, and then the rest of it just kind of be like, oh yeah, like this is just whatever. Um, but I could easily see this being like, oh, it's you know exactly what you'd expect for twenty dollars of random bs uh right and i i think that like uh the 20 to 30 dollar price point could also do really well with a lot of the seasoned commander players of like if this is a good product that seasoned commander players want to buy Mm -hmm. it could sell out well i don't think it's going to because i I have a, a strong suspicion that this is something that's going to be you know filling up the shelves at target and walmart as we get closer, yeah. as we get closer to Christmas, 
So any yeah. of any of you who have folks who will buy you magic related items for your for for Christmas, uh, don't be surprised to see one of these show up under the tree. <laughs> it's interesting too because two of them are uh, six and seven <coughs> mana drop commanders. Um, two of them are four drops and one of them is a two drop. Right. And obviously the two drop isn't great unless you have ways to tap it other than com- uh, combat. But like, I don't know, the the four mana commanders are, are pretty fun. Yeah. So, Andy, I have a question. Yes. If you've got a player who's brand new to magic, do you start them with a pre-con? Is that, is that where the brand new magic player should start? Um, I think so. Um, I think it's tough because, I mean, there's pre-cons on the internet all the way back to when pre-con started. Right. Um, it's tough to, like, show them where to start. Um, but if they're, like, new to Magic, I think that the way you introduced me to the game was really good. Where, like, we would play a few games of, you know, 60 card, whatever. And then yeah. uh, I played with one of your commander decks. Uh, and then I would play with people's commander decks that like at on Thursday nights. Yeah. Um, until I made my own, but I think like if I could go back, I would have started with a pre- like I would have had my own precon. Um, yeah. I think that they're an excellent place to start any player, um, even the the uh, recent ones. Um, I think that the the thing I would struggle with these decks is if they are piles of garbage like if they're not good then they are either going to not excite new players into playing commander right uh or they're going to if they're piles of garbage like nobody's gonna pay attention to them and then people are just gonna go back in the years of like okay well we have you know your neon dynasty commanders which are fine they do a thing um and you've got your new Capenna commanders which are extremely specific to uh the the like family's mechanics you've got your Akoria commanders which are specific to those factions mechanics and i think that like i don't i don't know where i would start somebody um well okay so but what about the player who has played magic like Someone who's played one-on-one magic, and that's mm-hmm. it. When they when they come to Commander, where do you start them off? Do you just start them off with the rules and say, "Here, build the deck," or do you start them? You know, what? Wh- how do you? How how would you introduce that person to Commander? I think. I mean, is it the precon? Yeah, I mean, I think I think either way, whether they're they've been playing Magic for a while, and they are a similar like play style to you or me yeah i'd probably introduce them to uh the pre-cons to at least get a base of like okay like this is how like even if you know how to make a 60 card deck like it's going to be a little bit more intensive to make a commander deck if only because you have to find six cards that do the same thing right um, generally speaking and then with new players I think that the precons are a pretty good place to start, if only because like the same thing, like <laughs> like building the deck is going to be the hard part in introducing anybody to a new format, um, because not only do you 
not have the basis for how much is actually out there for cards, but you don't have a basis for what is acceptable in the meta. And I think that that's kind of where I am interested to see where Wizards goes with these things, because I I would hope that they would kind of take it upon themselves to direct people into the right area for what is casual and right. that kind of thing. See, now for me, uh, a player who's brand new to Magic, then yeah, I, I'm okay with starting them with a commander deck. Um, I might want to try and start them with a couple of, you know, a couple of the, the just the starter decks, give them the basics, and then, then graduate to a commander deck just because commander decks can be an awful lot of cards doing an awful lot mm. of different things. But a new player, yeah, I would... I'm okay with the pre-con. For a player who's new to Commander but not Magic, I would more likely tell them to look at Commander Legends. Don't buy a, you know, don't buy a couple of pre-cons. Buy a box of mag- of Commander Legends. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you'll get you get a big stack of cards that are all Commander, fairly Commander specific, and then uh, they can build based on that with the assumption that. You know, they already have basic build knowledge for building a 60-card deck, but if they can extrapolate that out, they should be fine. And I think that you're going to get a lot more cards, and uh, it'll also allow you a lot more deck-building variety for that player. I think for sure. Yeah, I think you want to take the brand-new player and put them more on rails. And I like yeah. the idea of, you know, I'm not going to make you build a deck yet. Here, take this one. Let's let's avoid the build the how to build a deck discussion for now and just play this so you learn how to play the game and are comfortable and then we can start talking about how to you know build your own deck and make it make changes to these decks and all this kind of thing yeah i i do love the commander legends uh, sets i think it's uh i i think for somebody like me uh, i'm moving away from buying each of the commander precons and moving more towards getting a box of of commander legends because i know i'm getting an entire box of Commander-related cards, um, and I don't really need it to be built in it built into a deck for me anymore. I'm not really looking for that. Um, yeah. So it's you know it's sort of something that seems to have moved past me. Not so much because the precons have moved past, but more a case of they're offering another. There's another option for somebody like me. So I'm, you know, I'll I'll spend my money there as opposed to on the precons. Yeah, and I think the thing with a lot of these precons too is that you know each of them come with a certain amount of brand new cards, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like they're cards that are built with Commander in mind, and they are put into these decks, and only these decks. Uh, I mean, they're snuck into some set boosters, but overall, like everybody knows about these ten cards, you know, type of thing where. Uh, you know, you're going to see a lot of them over and over and over again because, uh, like, say, Jessica's Will, for example. Obviously, that came out in uh, Commander Legends, but it's reprinted in one of the more recent Commander decks, and, you know, you see a lot of it. But, there, like, it just doesn't feel as exhilarating to play if everybody's got it type of thing. Right. And... Uh, where I've kind of started to shift my focus is a very similar thing where I I like to open 
I mean, I obviously like to open packs. We've talked about this before. Not a great <laughs> use of money, but uh, if like you're going for certain cards in uh, the precons and not, and you you don't really need all the other ones, like obviously you can just buy those singles. Uh, a lot of people are going to buy those specific singles, like Jessica's Will or uh, Dockside Extortionist. Th- yeah. These types of cards that uh, do come in precons that outlive the precons themselves um but then you've got you know cards that you might not have thought of using that you just happen to get through pack yeah i just have so much more fun just kind of going through the cards that i have uh and building you know scrappy decks right uh, i get to learn how to pilot uh based on the meta rather than you know the things that like i feel like so much so many precons and i don't think this necessarily is the same for a majority of players but maybe a majority of uh fran- enfranchised players is that they buy a precon they play it you know once or twice just to see like yeah. oh, like what does this do okay cool i spent money on this let's sleeve it up and play it um but then it just gets taken apart uh and, like, while that is good to get those cards into other decks and stuff and, like, use it more than you normally would. Um, I mostly agree with what you're saying. Um, I will say, though, when buying precons, it means I actually own a copy of Dockside. Right. And it just, I own it because I was buying the precons. And I bought that precon along with all the others. And then Dockside went, you know took the price yeah. up, 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 up to the point where Dockside is still more expensive than I would pay for the card. Even yeah. after getting reprinted in Double Masters in all its various forms and varieties, uh, you know, you're still looking at, as of the, as of recording, uh, roughly $50 for the card. I'm just not yeah. paying $50 for that card. I'm just not going to do it. Um, but it does mean that I do have one copy. I mean, and I felt the same way about some of the you know some of the other major cards that come through that came through some of the sets like that um but i hate to be you know i also don't want to be the one buying a full set of precons just because i then luck into getting into getting to keep that one card that's not that's not just not enough it's not a good enough yeah. reason you know and for me like even dockside like if the precon showed up for less than $50 at some point in the future, yeah. like on sale or something, I would still have a hard time buying the whole deck for that one card because, I mean, it's not the power level I want, you know? Like, the cards that I want to play with aren't going to be those ones. Right. Um, and I, I get playing with them. Um, and sometimes, like, I mean, Dockside in our meta ends up being not as, like, crazy it, powerful as, yeah, like, just you not see it all the time of, like, being you know churned through the graveyard over and over and over again right um but yeah and i don't honestly, know like, even even when it gets played i mean you know you get five sometimes ten artifact ten treasures at best and usually there's no way to bring it to get rid of it and then bring it back yeah so you're getting that one shot still a great deal for two mana great there's, deal but yeah. you know it's not quite as broken as as it is in a lot of other metas so there's a certain charm for me uh in the precons where i feel like if they were always 20 ish 
20 to $30 of, like, okay cards, like the Call Time or the uh, Zendikar or even the, the, the Innistrad Commander decks, if they were all that level at, like, say, even $30 a piece, like, I would be, like, charmed enough to sleeve them up, keep them on the shelf as they are. Uh, I feel like I could get a lot of use out of keeping them together. Um, right. And at this point, uh, with Commander decks, I am doing what we were just talking about, of, like, looking at the deck list, see if there's, like, de- uh, cards that I want out of it that it would just be easier or better to acquire these cards by just buying the deck um, and then uh, moving on from there, you know? Like, either breaking it apart or whatever. Right. But, um, I I loved a lot of the, the Sweet 21 uh, and Beyond decks because they were so tied with the sets but still, like, fairly powered. Um, yeah. That, that, that was kind of the sweet spot for me, even if it did seem like they were starting to creep up. Yeah, I... With the precons, I think they have to be so careful. Uh, I, yeah, I am. I am very nervous because I know that they want to create sets. Set, you know, they want to create these decks that that are going to sell. And the best way for them to make that happen is to just up power level. I mean, I do like the idea uh, of uh, you know, put a different kind of art on it do a different foil treatment, do a different kind of art treatment to the card without having to ramp up the power level so that people will still buy it because they want to get the funky new uh, Mm. variant on the card. But um, the best way to sell cards is always going to be to make a cool card. So they just have to be watching that they're making cool cards and not necessarily cards that are cool because they're overpowered, you know, piles of ridiculousness that will mess yeah. the format up in the years to come. And I think for me, like, where they landed with uh, a lot of the, the Battle for Baldur's Gate stuff, and we've talked about yeah. this on the show before, yep. uh, was, like, the perfect idea for, like, Commander going forward, for me at least, of, like, weird interaction stuff, yep. like, big plays, uh, a little high cost, which was good. Yes. Uh, because it didn't, it didn't force people to make things efficient and it didn't force people to like optimize their decks for these plays um but it still made it fun and worth the time and effort put in to do it and i think if they used that philosophy toward precons like precons could be bigger than they are but i feel like right now people care about two things whether like it's either they're new players and just want to find a good place to start playing commander without having to worry too much about right. the deck building process or they're enfranchised people who uh, are just looking for reprint value, which like both are legitimate and fair. Uh, and obviously I'm not saying that's all who are looking at these, these products uh, because there are plenty of people who do the thing that I was just talking about, which is just buy them, keep them together pull them out like at family game night or whatever yeah uh and just like play them against each other as they were built you know and you know there's a huge spectrum of things and never (laughs) nothing's ever binary but uh you know it's i think it would be really interesting to see them going forward with uh kind of broadcasting their ideas of what commander should be we're starting to slowly run out of time 
Uh, do you have any any things that you want to see out of Commander decks going forward? I want to see players get the opportunity to play on on the low play on the lower tier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, precons are very much an introduction to a lot of players to the format, and as the precons get more powerful, uh, the opportunity for the new player to play at a lower level, you know, to play the game that takes 16 or 17 turns to develop. And, you know, they, they lose that because that precon is going to be, it becomes their base level. It's like, if the deck isn't as good as my precon, then it's just no, then it's no good. I need to scrap it and build something else. Right. And I would much rather see players come in and if that's their attitude, then let's get these precons down to, uh, you know, a lower power level so that maybe the precons don't put up the good fight at every single table that you go to. It doesn't have to be that way. You can have them as a lower power level and then let these newer players enjoy building all kinds of weird and funky decks and trying out other things and then discovering, you know, okay, well, I can, you know, if my group is a little more powerful than what I'm doing, then I can do X, Y, and Z and you can get help from friends and you know, it lets these players grow into that level as opposed to now where they're not getting that chance to grow and learn and, and do that. They're just simply being presented with the big expensive thing and now you're expected to perform at that level. Uh, and that's that can be a, a big ask for a, a new player who's trying to build decks and doesn't really quite grasp all the nuances with uh, mana counts and making sure you've got the right percentage of each color and how much card draw and how much removal and how much of everything else. They just don't know these numbers yet. And they're not, you know, and they don't know a lot of the cards. So we're, we're asking them to move beyond these precons. And I think we're, we're making that first step for them a lot harder than it should be. And I think we're seeing a lot of the new players coming in, looking at a precon and saying, this is, this is the intro level. Mm. And, and it's really not. I mean, you can, you know, it's okay to build a deck that's not as good as the precon. Or if you yeah. find that I want players to be able to build their own decks and move up that move up the levels, as opposed to now where we're asking them to build something that they may not be able to build early right. on just because they just don't have the, the ability to do that. So it, it's going to be frustrating for them. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, they, they're still trying to figure out where they're going with with this idea right. of commander and I'm, I'm excited to see what we do end up getting in the next couple of months with those those uh starter commander decks is what they're called yeah um so I'm, I'm excited to see where they they bring not only the reprint value but also just where they land new players because it's hard for new players it's hard for any players to go to dial back on power right. and right optimization uh, but I mean, like, you know, it's what we love doing is yeah. is making decks dumber because it's f- fun. <laughs> yes. Now, um, and before we go, I don't want everyone to think that, you know, oh, great. Bruce ended the podcast by dumping on precons. That's not what I'm that's not what I'm trying to do. Uh, I think precons are an excellent way to introduce people to the format. Um, I just wish the precons themselves we're a little more powered down, and even because, mm. and even though, even though they're not, I still think that that's a good way to get people into the format. You have to introduce them to the format with, with a some kind of a preconstructed deck, and right now that is the option 
So that is what I think you should be going with. Um, I just want, you know, I just want more. Mm. Give me more. Speaking of pre-cons, more. I'm still waiting on my pre-con that I ordered uh, from the Secret <laughs> Lair last December. It's been almost a year. Uh, and I'm sure by the time this episode releases, it still won't be here or even shipped. Uh, I, I heard rumors of it being shipped out in November. So uh, we'll see about that. Merry Christmas, Andy. Oh, thank you. Uh, Merry Christmas 2021. Yes. So uh, that'll do it for us today. We're going to go play some magic. Thank you for listening, everyone. We're Temple of a False Pod. We're a decks not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Uh, thank you again for listening. Play some magic for me. And may your fifth land be the temple. Wait, wait, before you go, I just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at manaburned and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, Like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out and may your fit land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!